What's up, guys? It's Mike and Ron with Tackle Your Personal Best. This would be episode number five. It's been a, quite a while since we've done an episode, so we're back. We just went out and did one hell of a weekend. D Train's back with us. How's everybody doing? Pretty good. Pretty I'm good. well. Um, I'm tired. Um, I, I'm beat. Like I was f- trying to sleep, and you bastards kept texting me. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know. Maybe because the long weekend we had. By the way, I don't know if you guys saw my message, but we spent eleven hours on the water Friday. Yes, we did. But prior to that, I was on the water for four out of seven days, and the weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, the weekend before, I was on the water, and the entire week prior, because Carrie was on spring break. And it's just catching up to me. The past two days, I just been falling over sleep. Shit. Yeah, night. Oh, well, eleven hours, and what was that? Just Friday, wasn't it? What did we end up doing Saturday? Um, I can look. Hold on. Um, if you go, because I just went to my uh, Google Maps and go to history, because it it tracks your phone, and it thought the whole time uh, on Friday we were on a ferry. Because <laughs> it's like, why are these guys out in the water? So. It thought we were on a ferry, so let me mute me, and I will look, and I'll tell you. Your timeline. There was a, there was a booze cruise. What, what do you talk about, Google? <laughs> a booze cruise. <laughs> out, there, out there with the fishies and gators. Yeah, speaking of gators, I had one hell of a scare out there with the gator. Bigger than my freaking canoe. No. But <laughs> it definitely oh, was a, I caught I, D-Train called it something, and I forget. And I, I just thought it was like more of like a catfish without like it's a bowfin called a bowfin yeah bowfin or or a mudfish but the technical name is a bowfin and they are dinosaurs they're left over from the prehistoric era yep yeah freaking how big was it like three feet it was huge uh gave me one hell of a fight but you know trying to get it in out of the net and trying to keep it alive and get my hooks out of it it had one hell of a cheek and uh i guess all that splashing attracted gator because uh I look up and there's like a seven foot gator swimming relatively fast towards me. And that's when I'm like, ah, fuck, I don't want to release this fish with <laughs> this gator underwater right near me. <laughs> so, and I look down, there's only like a foot and a half. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can see it coming. I'm like, well, screw this. I'm going to call you guys, get you over here. More boats in the water would be better for me. <laughs> yeah. And it, they're, as far as the water clarity goes, there was barely any visibility. It looks I mean, like uh, coffee. Real quick, interestingly enough, we were on the water for six and a half hours Saturday, which is a lot longer than I thought. And interestingly enough, because we did the static line, for those of you listening at home, basically Ron has a uh, trolling motor on his canoe, and whenever we want to go to a different location, we would... Uh, hook up our static lines on our kayaks and he would pull us on our trolling motor. Now Friday we were out there for 11 hours and 6 minutes and we only went 4.1 miles but on Saturday we are out there 5 and a, we are out 6 hours and 2 minutes and we went 5.8 so we actually covered more miles on Saturday because of the um, trolling on your canoe than we actually did on Friday. Well it was like an hour for that from moving from our that one location we did all Saturday or Friday to uh, to where we ended up to the point of our fishing spot and we dropped in over at lake port there's a surprisingly nice hotel and do you have do you have footage of that d train by any chance yeah if you guys are listening to this um head over to youtube.com and just uh search for digital 410 and um, i'll put a link up on the they'll put a link up on the website at uh, P, uh pb bates's website and you can see the video footage of inside the inside of the cabin. Real quick, just because uh, you brought up bowfin, according to Wikipedia, bowfin, or Amia calva, is a bony fish native to North America. Common names include mudfish, mudpike, dogfish, grendel, grinnel, swamp trout, and uh, any name I can't pronounce. It is regarded as a relic, be, uh, being, to solve surviving, being the sole surviving species of the Halicrompy, a group of fish that first appeared during the early Triassic era around 250 million years ago. The bowfin Jeez. is often considered a primitive fish because they have retained some 
morphological characteristics of their early ancestors, the closest living relative to the bowfin or gar, uh, with, uh, with the two groupings being um, united in the cladal hostorial. Um, bowfins are freshwater, commonly found throughout much of the eastern United States and the southern Ontario and Quebec. Fossils deposited indicated uh, they were once widespread on both freshwater and marine environments across North and South America, yada, yada, yada. And as Ron was saying, they do have, not only do they have teeth, but they have molars because they feed on crustaceans and pretty much anything else, kind of like catfish. And the reason I knew what it was is when I went out swamp fishing with Carrie's brother-in-law, his son caught like a four-foot-long one, and he was standing on a uh, culvert that was traveling underneath the street. And his thing was taller than he was, and this little kid's trying to pull it in, and I went down there to grab it, and his dad's like, grab it by the gill plate. He said, that thing has teeth. And so I grabbed it by the gill plate, and as Ron said, um, they're gums. I mean, you think bass, uh, you know, a six-, seven-pound bass has some thick lips. These damn bowfin, I had, we had to take it back to my truck and get a pair of heavy-duty needle-nose pliers to get this hook out of its, its gums. It's that, it's that rough. Oh, my God. That's, I was struggling with it forever because it was stuck in my net. It was yep. huge. So to get in there and try to get it, get the hook out, and it, and it just couldn't. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want to kill this thing. It's huge. So I kept dipping it in the water. Of course, it started splashing again. Mm-hmm. I get back up, try to get the hook out. Finally get it on. I'm done. And that's when I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, damn, gator's coming. <laughs> I would say if you're, not, if you're not Googling it and you're trying to imagine what this thing looks like, think of like a freshwater eel. That's what it almost looks like. A cross between like yeah. a barracuda and an eel. You know what I noticed though is it, it, it's definitely a predator type. You know because of where its eyes are located. Usually mm-hmm. your your like your bass, your your ambush uh, you know, predators, their eyes are more on the top because they're they're going to be kind of in a, in a point and on low or in ambush up and swim up and strike versus just kind of like where your panfish that are more side eyed. Levi caught his with, uh, we were, they were using peacock bass cut bait. That's how much peacock bass his dad catches that he uses the shit for cut bait. And he actually caught his on some peacock bass cut bait. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm, I'm really surprised that we didn't catch, you know, because I know that you said that, and I actually saw the video of the peacock that's over in Cape Coral now, um, which is awesome if they can start reproducing on a massive scale and we can start catching those things but i'm i'm kind of surprised at okeechobee we didn't actually catch at least one we weren't we weren't fishing the right bait um carrie and i've been doing a lot of research on this because her brother-in-law i mean they don't they don't feed on the bottom yeah well we just came home and her brother-in-law posted like five pictures of his nephew they caught a bunch when we were in lake okeechobee he he knows where to get them down in the swamps they they primarily hit on uh bluegill and shiners but the only artificial bait they really hit on are rooster tails and jerk baits the problem is we weren't i tried fishing a rooster tail for like 10 minutes but that water was so shallow and so weedy that i was getting snagged on every on every retrieve so i was like f it and so the reason we didn't catch it is they don't hit on worms and they don't hit on like chatter baits they're more uh, live fish and rooster tail and jerk baits that's why we didn't snag any if right. they're even in there. That's why know. they were introduced to our waters to help pop, uh, to control the population of like our panfish, like mines and blue yep. and stuff like that. Exactly. They're, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to feed off of like lizard. Well, they might, but I'm just saying their, their primary source of food is straight fish. <laughs> Actually, it's funny you say that because Mike sent me a video of a guy and his wife fishing, which I, in Cape Coral, and I speculate it's Lake Kennedy. That's what it kind of looked like to me. And he was pulling them in on jerk baits, and he pulled one up that actually had an iguana still in its throat. That's oh, kind of cool, actually. And uh, somebody sent me a TikTok yeah. I of see a, how big that was. I mean, somebody sent me a TikTok of an underwater camera of a peacock bass hitting on a uh, mine cichlid, and they are definitely more hostile and more violent than a bass. Yeah, that's. Oh, I mean, definitely. definitely. I was over here in this canal, a picayune. I want to bring you, Mike. Uh, I saw two of them bedding. And at, at first, at first glance, I was like, "No, nah, that's not peacock." But I started throwing a worm at it, and and they weren't. They were striking at the worm really fast. It was like like bolting at it, swinging at it, and, and um, they would hit it with their face or their lip. They would not bite it. Well, and and what's interesting is because I 
me and the lady went over to uh, Stuart for uh, something or other. And uh, she was like, well, while I'm busy, why don't you go ahead and go fish? So I found, you know, a couple of spots here and there. And uh, I actually caught one. I caught it on a worm because you guys know that that's pretty much all. I caught a peacock? So yeah, caught a peacock bass on a worm. And you want to talk about little little fighting little bastards. I heard they fight. Yeah. I mean, they, as soon as the hook set, I mean, it, it was shaking its head, trying to get off. It didn't jump out of the water, but I mean, it was running and it was running fast. And uh, I finally got it up out of the water. And when you go to lip it, it's, you know, it's similar to a bass, but it actually has a lot thinner lips. And I mean, when you, when you got, when you're thumbing it, I mean, it, it sit there and shake and shake and shake and shake and try and just get away and get, you know, swim away. So, I mean, they're, they're fighting little bastards and, and I mean, they're, it's a really cool, different experience to catch a peacock versus a largemouth or a smallie or something like that. So. Well, Lake Okeechobee. Hold on real quick. Okay, just cause, just cause we're on the topic and we're trying to enter, educate here. Interestingly enough, peacock bass were Brazilian to tucanary. Um, it is a offspring of a large cichlid. Um, they're pr- uh, predatory freshwater fish native to the Amazon and the Orinoco basins, as well as the rivers of the Guyanas and a tropical Southern America. They're sometimes referred to the, by the English as the Brazilian um, name tucanary or their Spanish name pavon. Despite the common name and their uh, superficial similarity, they are not closely related to any other known fish. As I'm sorry, they are not closely related to other fish known as bass. So I think we just kind of gave them the peacock bass name. But yeah, they're as we're saying, they're basically imported here to help uh, maintain other invasive species that affect the bass population. Yeah, that's that's definitely. It's, um, like I said, it's definitely a, a different breed of fish and they're, they're real fun to catch, but yeah, I mean, kind of going back to Okeechobee and everything like that. I mean, you know, the beginning we got up, I mean, what you were up at like what? Five o'clock B train, five thirty. Five thirty, And I was up at, I don't know, like four forty-five or five o'clock or something like that. I know Ron, you were up super early because we got a long that. drive yeah, and yeah. uh an hour drive well, not quite an hour drive but a little bit more i yeah, could not I mean, sleep that night i went to bed at like 11 and i didn't fall asleep until two thirty three. so I, I was out fishing at 11 hours on friday with like on three hours of sleep i just could not sleep i have way too much stuff going on my mind was going a mile a minute plus all that excitement excited and ready to go stuff. there <laughs> yeah well, you know, for you guys, we, we, I was, when I was planning this trip, I brought it up to Mike. I was like, you know, let's plan another Okeechobee trip. I'm about to have another kid. Uh, it can be a while before we can get back out to Okeechobee. But, you know, I remember from last time, our last trip that we talked about was just a, a, a ended up being a, not a dis, it just ended up being a disappointment. Because it we, is we a full no blast, full on shit show is what it was. Yeah. Every every which way it went wrong. So I was like, okay, the one oversight we we can honestly say we had uh, it was that we did not anticipate Lake Okeechobee draining. So I did a little bit more research after that and found out that you know during the winter months Okeechobee will uh, close off its levees and retain the water to try to keep uh, go through the drought. But the months leading up, even though it may be drought still, we're not getting rain. They're dumping usually around uh, bass spawn season. They're dumping. They're opening up the levees so the spawning uh, the, the the bass outside the levees can come in and spawn, and the bass that are in the lake can go out and spawn if they want. Uh, and they're draining uh, for anticipation for the Newton of this next rainy season. So, I, you know, that made me realize. All right, we were we were in Okeechobee when they were dumping. The levees were wide open. We were, you know, the, our very first trip to Okeechobee, just, we had to go up that levee. And, and but this time, that, that this it was wide open. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> just kept driving, you know. But it, no visibility. No Come visibility. On. I'm like, well, this time we got to go to the west. Roughly what time were we out there during the year, the first time we went out? 
you know, and that's kind of hard because we'd have to go back and pictures and have to search it. But I want to say it was near uh, April um, because it was rainy. It was in it was kind of in summer, and we were fishing uh, grass beds, and we were able to tuck way back into uh, areas that we weren't able to reach in, uh, currently. You know what I mean? So, or which actually are flooded right now. Um, so. Remember, we actually were out there in the middle of a you know thunderstorm. We just like threw the tarp over us and was like, okay, oh, we're waiting it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, well, you know that 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 first trip was actually you know kind of what showed us like what a below average day is on Okeechobee, and then the second trip was like a like worse. It, it was just dead, and then this trip, oh, I mean. We'll we'll get into that, but I mean slamming, you know, just left and right with you know a couple of fish on uh, what Friday, and then the massive one that Detran will tell later. Well, apparently, I posted some photos on my Facebook page, and some of my followers from our radio days, uh, Mr. Johnny Gomez says, "Hey, you're definitely my neck of the woods." He said the next time we're up there, we want to try to fish under the Harney Pond Bridge. Apparently, there's some whales down there. And uh, well, I had another listener. It depends on wind. Yeah, I had another listener say that the um, boat ramp was named after one of his relatives up there. Let's see here. Uh, where'd you go out? So, um, so we went out at Lakeport. Yep. And that's what I was saying. We, we planned this trip because. The one variable planning a trip months in advance is that you can't, you just, you cannot know what the weather's going to be like. So leading up to the trip, we're all checking our phones. What's the weather like? Where's the wind blowing? Where's our gusts? Uh, what's our surge like? You know, um, because it's it, a little bit of wind will make the lake really choppy. Yep. And knowing that the fact that it's draining, mm-hmm. right, that a lot of mud, mud is going to be moving around. So the wind could really make your fishing day horrible because if you're if you're fishing and where the wind's blowing you're going to be fishing in muddy water so i picked the west side because it would be nice to you know no matter which direction the wind we can go either north south uh and still hit some good spots yeah it was jeff thompson he said hey i live right across i live right across the street from duck pub basically right where we were at he said the boat ramp is named after his great aunt so i was definitely in his neck of the woods so yeah, um, that is a nice. I wouldn't be surprised if family owned a hotel we stayed in. <laughs> that, well, that, the, it's Lakeport. Mike found that, and actually, Lake Mike. I was thinking Lake uh, Moorhaven. Mike actually suggested Lakeport, which turned out to be a great suggestion. Yeah, I mean, you know, because of the location and everything, as far as where that little thumb off of the lake is and, and, you know, all those little spots and everything, I I was looking at the map and I was just like, this looks like bass heaven. Well, it worked out great for us being in kayaks and canoes because we never got out on the, I was looking at Google maps when we got back, we never got out on Lake Okeechobee proper where it probably would have been even crazier. So that was actually a good area because all those little inlets and areas we were able to go you know, where it was only a foot and a half deep, where we didn't have to compete with the exception of Saturday morning. We didn't have to compete with any other boats. Yeah, pretty no, much. I mean, yeah, it, 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 as far and as far as the wind too, that the specific side that we were on that, you know, because once we got out onto, you know, that uh, I think it was the north eastern side, maybe more, more north, northeast, east. And, um, once you got on that side, it was like the chop was just insane, especially in kayaks. I mean, if you're in a boat, it's like not that big of a deal. But yeah, as that, soon was as we the, got... that was the northeast side because that leads out towards the lake proper. When we were on the yeah. north, I'm looking at Google Maps. We're on the northwest side on the to the on the map to the left of the channel going back up to the boat ramp. Yeah, um, we had the protection of the land to our left and so even though the wind was pushing that way it wasn't as bad as when we got on the right side of that channel marker and out that towards- whole that that whole channel that sweeps out pretty deep was really protecting us and it was protecting us from the mud it, it, you know because if you if you remember when we were on the northeast side 
there was no visibility. When we went around that side, the, the chop was less. There was no mud. Well, there was mud, but it wasn't, it wasn't as bad. There was some visibility, and it was a lot, a lot more bearable. Absolutely. Um, but back to the lodge, we've kind of talked to started on two or three times. This place looked like it was at once like a uh, one-bedroom townhouses almost. It was two stories, had a bunch of yeah. different units. You'd walk in, there'd be a, like a main room, which would be like a living room, and then like a little bathroom nook, like most your hotels, but then actually had a, a separate room with two queen beds. And so with the full, with the hide-a-bed couch, the little auxiliary bed for a, probably a 12-year-old, which Ron slept on, I think. <laughs> And the two medium beds, oh, you could easily f- sleep f- uh, four, five, six, seven people in this place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can, I, I can easily see that. Bring your own air mattress. You can fit in one. Uh, and I slept in there because I got Mr. Snore pants one and two. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> well, the nice thing was, too, is there's no carpet. And so we were able to, because when I, I was talking to Mike, he's like, dude, how are we going to keep our kayaks from getting stolen out of the back of our trucks at night? You know, no one's going to steal Ron's canoe. You know, it would take forever to get that out. But you could unzip our kayaks and be gone with them in under a minute. And so we just took them inside, laid them on the on the fake hardwood, and it's like perfect. And yeah, I'm I'm actually glad that we did that too because, you know, it it was a nice area. And as far as you know, the motel and everything like that, you know, it was an all right you know lodging situation. But the area kind of around it little sketchy well plus it also uh, allowed for us to go out to walmart and other places and not worry about our truck being in the parking lot with all our shit in the back exactly yeah exactly yeah i think i mean next year around early may we need to go again and hit that same spot i would say the hotel is kind of like the fishing equivalent of a hunter's hunter's cabin it's old school stuff. It's got a gun rack. It's got an old beat up couch, but they know dirty ass wet fishermen are going to be laying in there. So they're not going to put the most latest great. It's basically a place to just pass out after, after a long day on the water. And that's exactly what it's for. And that's exactly what it, you know, it, it served its purpose and it's, it is cheap. I mean, a place, a place like that, if it had a holiday Inn express written on the outside would have been $200 a night. That place oh, for three of us was eighty six bucks for three people, and they it's yeah. not like we mm-hmm. snuck a third person in. We had three registered people, and they only charged us eighty five bucks. It was it was seventy something dollars, or you know, yeah, seventy something dollars, and I think they had an upcharge for the third person, which was like what less than ten dollars. Yep. You know, well, we all we all ended up walking out of there only having to pay like what thirty or thirty five bucks. bucks a piece, which was perfectly fine with all three of us um as as far as you know the vibe and everything in there i mean that place it was kind of cool you know you had like a an old school kind of feel like that that hunting cabin kind of feel like you were saying and you know the lake pretty much right there you know it was we were were literally a minute away from the ramp and that made it so much yeah. more convenient too. The price, the location, everything just worked out perfectly. So, and I will say the ramp was convenient for all people. If you had the bass boat, there was a there was a boat ramp launch for you. If you had like, uh, but if you didn't have like the eighty thousand and you really didn't want to get away in the way of those people ramping, and you had, but you had a boat. There's a there's a there's a ramp there too for you. And if you just had canoes, kayaks, there's a ramp there for you. Yeah, so was, you're not going to get in anybody's way. It was basically like almost a two-mile-long road that went out on a peninsula. And on the right side of the peninsula, the water is 12 to 14 feet deep. There's two to three boat ramps. That's where all the high-end guys. And on the left side, it was basically swampland, which was about a foot and a half deep <laughs> with one decrepit My boat nightmare. ramp, which worked great because that allowed us. We basically had our – because the water so shallow, no one was going to try to put their boats in there. So we didn't have to hurry up and rush off the boat ramp because, all oh, the kayakers are in our way. And so it's almost like we had our own little slip, and it was kind of nice that way. Well, and it was also um, – I, I figured out later that – I don't know if you guys saw this, but the airboat guys actually – uh, So they – you know, because they, they – Yeah, they don't need any – you know, they have like pretty much zero uh, draft on their boats. I mean, they, I saw I think two or three of them actually put it in that spot, and – you know, I mean, we were out of their way early, so 
But yeah, once they could have swore I saw a sign that said no motorized, no motorized uh, boats in that. Well, technically, it's not a motor; it's a fan because it's not in the water. Yeah, that's different. Motorized boats are anything that has a prop in the water. That's the difference Ah, between a. That's the difference between a dirt bike and a golf cart on a on a walking path. It says no motorized vehicles. (laughs) Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so moving on, um, you know, we talked about the lodging and everything like that. You know, we, we fished for, we fished for about an hour hours. and a half. We fished for about an hour and a half before anyone landed anything. Um, the action after about the first hour, the action was good. I think I hooked up on two or three, two pounders and they would just jump and spit my damn worm. And, and Mike hooked up on a couple early. But it probably took about two hours before anybody landed a fish, and Mike was the first one to land one. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, what for us, throwing? what were you throwing on that first one? That one was a black and blue. What was that? It was a black and blue cinco. Um, you know, not really trying to bring a brand in or anything like that. I, I forget exactly what the brand was, but uh, I want to say it was a Yumdinger. Um, but yeah, black, black with blue flake. And, you know, I just, once I got over to that area where you were, where, you know, the, it, it cut back and to the left. Um, I mean, because of the wind and everything on Friday, the way that it was blowing, it was blowing me backwards. So I had my anchor down and I was actually fishing, <laughs> fishing backwards. So I was trying to cast behind me. And when I, when I, caught that fish i casted uh to the left of myself and wasn't expecting anything to be there and you know within a couple of seconds of casting it was like i was reeling in and hooked up and well, as soon as i as soon you as made, I, hold up, on. I was like oh shit there's you, a fish there <laughs> you made the strategic mistake of hooking your anchor to the front of your boat instead of the rear yes and so whatever direction the wind was blowing, your ass in was going to face. And so you're doing this like almost like a trick basketball shot over the left-hand shoulder backwards <laughs> cast. And so every time you'd hook up on a fish, you're reeling it over your shoulder behind you and you were losing them because you couldn't set the hook and you were just had this funky over the shoulder backhand cast. And I'm like, <laughs> I at least had mine tied on the side. So at least when the tide was pushing me, I was my, kayak was perpendicular to the shoreline so i can just cast over my chest and just kind of turn my torso but you lost i think i lost two or three before i finally landed one and you lost every two minutes like fuck damn (laughs) we're both just screaming because we're hooking up on these what we would consider you know cape coral hogs but we're losing them just because of the wind and and the way we were casting oh yeah i lost the whole rig uh fairly early right in the morning and had to put a pole entirely down because i lost like i i ended up having to re, re, uh, re-spool it uh later but that was like right off the bat first thing the fishing no oh, first thing i did is i went to cut my um my jig off that i had from the previous day of fishing and i had my long nose um needle nose sitting on my r- right thigh and i went to bring my pole around so I can grab the line from the end so I can tie a new bait on and the end of my pole knocked my damn vice grips into the water. It's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> it's like a foot and a half deep, but it was so, if it was in Cape Coral, I would have been able to see it, but that water was so dark, it was like dropping into, it'd be like dropping a penny into a bottom of a, cu- a mug of coffee and then trying to find it. Like, yeah, yep. forget it at that no, point. That, it was so murky gone. out there. Yeah. So once uh, I had a lot of struggle keeping my boat straight. But once we got around into, you know, calmer waters and I was able to actually pay attention a little bit more to my electronics and got away from the gator and unstuck from the countless weeds. I actually caught two fish before that gator. My first, so Mike's first fish was a pound point one, three ounces. Cause I just did my YouTube video. And then I followed that up with my first fish was a pound and a half. And then, uh, it went from there. Now, yeah, B-train, I, do you, I, I do got you measure bluefin, but it wasn't until after I moved out of there that I, I started catching fish. And but that's what I want to lead into next is that the uh, electronics, 
my electronics man came in as a lifesaver towards that uh, towards the end. I, I was able to pick up some beds. I found a, a large run that had like oh, man, I, more than a hundred bass beds on it, or beds in general. Yeah, because the wind um, was blowing so hard that you discovered that um, the weeds were being blown over enough that your side scan could actually give you a a clearance of where the hell they were all at. Yeah, an accurate description of the bottom. Good accurate good reading like i could see him the next day barely but it was it wasn't as clear as it was the next the, the day i mean it was like i could see groups of five which would have like the next day just looked like a uh, uh, like a one big hole almost yeah um so and, and so and the only way to really get a good image in, and i haven't figured that thing out i may need to tweak with like the, the the power on it because there's there's several different settings on it and but it's new, but I didn't want to dick with all that. But once I found all that, that's when I was like, yo, get away from that edge and come over here. Started, started ca- I caught a couple of fish. That's when I called you guys to come out. And that's when I was railing in some, you know, uh, I think I caught a two-pound bass uh, there. Uh, I think another pound and a half male. The, the two pounds, I definitely seen though, had a, bit, a little uh, uh, fat belly. And uh, I, I, did I pull you D-train? over to that area or no i just think i just, i kind of showed you guys and uh and over to where the uh yes the correct. yeah we we paddled we ended up paddling over there but uh because you you were you were motoring around quite a lot just trying to find some spots and d train and i i mean we just anchored up and was just trying to fish and i'm not a and, fan uh, of anchor fishing at all but it was required that day and it it came in handy later on but yeah, I was. I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I I like the free float, but it wasn't an option. Yeah, I I, no. I definitely prefer, you know, instead of anchor fish. Like I I've anchor fished my entire life, saltwater, freshwater, whatever it is, and it gets frustrating when you're, especially when you're not in control of the boat. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, okay, well, we're setting up anchor here. We're stopped. We're not going anywhere for like three hours. And that gets really frustrating because you're casting in the same spots. You're casting in the same spots. You know, you're catching, you know, little stuff here and there. And it's like, you know, I want to move around. And actually, when I get eventually get my new kayak, I'm hoping that I can put a motor guide XI3 uh, on the bow so that I can just motor around with a little controller and that's it. So I actually just ordered some anchor tie downs for my kayak so that I can run mine off the rear. So I nice. just got some hoops to run, but, uh, yeah. So Ron put, put us on that spot and prior to going out, you know, I actually had my season starting off. Well, before we went, even went to Lake Okeechobee, my last week was kicking ass. As I said, at the beginning of the, uh, the show, I had been out probably, 12 of the last 15 days and um i was frog fishing out here on the backside of lake zurich and um i hooked up on a two and a half pound bass at 7 30 night which is the largest fish i'd caught in all winter i mean i'd catch a one pounder here and there maybe a two but it's just been a winter time for dinks to the point where we'd go out fishing four or five days and i wouldn't even cut a video for youtube i'm like if i keep putting up videos of small fish people are going to stop watching my videos no one wants to watch videos of just constant dinks so i wasn't even editing video I was just deleting it all and then finally um went out sunday night hooked up on the two and a half pounder on a, on a frog and i got a couple other decent fish and then the following night or two days later i was out in that same lake in a foot and a half and i was paddling out and this guy's fishing off the shore and he's like hey they're they're breaking out in the top out in the middle I was like, really? It's only a foot and a half out there. Little did I know. He's like, yeah, I've been sitting here for the last hour watching them hit jump out there, just wishing I could get out there. And I still had my frog on. I was like, well, I'll I'll paddle out there. So I took the frog off, put on a Guggen revolver. Second throw, I landed a three and a half pound bass. And so I had that in my repertoire from Monday and, and Tuesday. And then Friday we go out and then Ron puts us on that spot. Yeah, and that was, <laughs> as everybody listening will find out. So I mean, a large, large fish for us is kind of rare in the area that we live. So. Well, for me, my personal <laughs> best was four and a half pounds I caught back in June. 
Yeah. And Carrie's was six and a half pound that we caught on our tandem kayak out in Gator Circle. And so I was kind of busting her balls and oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat your PR. Oh no, you'll never beat your PR. And so she was at work that day and I, I sent her a picture of my fish and sent her a picture of the pounder that you know Ron and Mike had caught. And it was around 2.45 in the afternoon because she was driving home from school. And she called me up and said, you guys catch that monster yet? And you will you can actually hear her on my cell phone on the YouTube video. And I'm like, no, I caught a you know, pound and a half. She's like, what's the water like? It's, I said, it's kind of like Cape Coral but bigger. Like I'm 1,000 yards off of the shoreline, but it's a foot and a half deep. And all of a sudden on the video, you'll see my pole go doink. And I was like, hold on, I think I have something. And I was like, my... Medium, my um, 13 brand fishing black seven foot medium heavy power just bent. I was like, Yeah, I got something on here, and all of a sudden it just started. It took my drag, and whoo, my drag's running out. And I'm stopping, I'm reeling them in, I'm reeling them in. And she's like, What do you got? I was like, I don't know. And then he took off again. My dra- my drag's running, and at this point, I got you guys' attention. I'm like, I got a big one here. And Mike's paddling over. He's like, What the hell you got going on? Well, and and I thought initially i was like oh he's got like some kind of a channel cat or you know yeah. you know something like that that's you know whatever but i mean I'm as reeling, soon as i'm reeling this thing in it it ran a third time and then it jumped it broke water and this gargantuan <laughs> head came out of the water <laughs> and say like, oh i got a big one here now i i was probably what 20 yards away 30 yards tw- 20 or 30 Piling yards towards away. me yeah and I'm I'm watching you fight this fish, and I've had and 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 the, and the lines out there because I'm throwing a chatterbait. I had a, a chatterbait with a um, zoom, black and blue veritable speed tail worm. So when I casted this thing, it was it was out there, and so when it hit up on it, it was I had a fair bit of reeling to do. Yeah, and and I mean it it broke a little bit of water, you know, one time I think maybe two times, and then by the time it broke water the third time when it was up there close to you, it was like holy shit, this thing is massive. And now I don't have my net on my boat. I left it on Carrie's kayak, and I'm like, you got a net? And Mike's like, no. And Ron's <laughs> like, I do, but he's anchored away in his his mystery <laughs> canoe, like probably what 500 yards away. You're you're pretty far away. You could see you. I was in, pretty far away. You, I don't even think you got a close-up of that visual of the fish until you saw the video. Yeah, until I saw the video, I didn't really get a good look. Mike was the closest one. And by the time I would have got over there, it would have been like, all right, yeah, <laughs> he's got it. Now, <laughs> I've lost a couple of two, three-pounders in the past um, trying to reach down and, and trying to grab it or pulling up on the line and having it, you know, because once the fish leaves the water, gravity's now against you. The weight on the hook causes their lips to rip. And they'll get a good jerk and they fall. It hap- it's happened to all of us, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I've lost some nice fish just pulling it up out of the water by the line and they wiggle and shake off. So one of the techniques I've done when I don't have a net is I will reel it to me, keep it in the water, and I'll reach down and put my lip lock on it. I'll just snap because that's a fu- it's a nice firm grip. You ain't got to worry about your hand slipping. If you're trying to pull it up from the line, you don't have to worry about it jumping and, and kicking off the hook. Um, and I'm usually reaching over. It's a kayak. It's not like we're on a bass boat where we can kneel down and get, you know, you, you kind of have to, you kind of have to get used to making concessions and not doing things the way you would do it in a bass boat or any other boat. For those of you who never kayak fish, kayak fishing is a whole different type of fishing. Mm-hmm. Something as easy as re-spooling your reel, trying to rerun your line up your reel because you had to cut the hook off. Is like doing it while staying at the top of a 15 foot ladder. <laughs> Even though you're sitting down, <laughs> you got your pole down and your toes, you're trying to, it's damn thing seven foot long, you're trying to bend it down. It's everything on a kayak is completely different. And so what I did is maneuver. I got the exactly. And so I'm reeling him in and I'm trying to reach for him. And so if you guys watch the video, I switched to my front mounted GoPro and I'm six foot five. So I got a wingspan on me. So I got my pole and my, I think my left hand and the fish is coming up. No, I got my pole in my right hand. The fish is coming up on the left side. And it looks like I'm almost doing one of those Vietnam era, like gung ho where they raise the rifle above their head. (laughs) My, my pole is raised above my head and it's bent down like an arc. And I reach down and I, I hook up this bass. And now in the, 
Carrie's in the video before I even get out of the water. Carrie's on the phone. She's like, how big do you think it is? I said, I don't know, eight or nine pounds. And I lip locked this son of a bitch and I pulled out of the water and its head was so big. Its mouth was so big that I could probably put both my fists in there easily. Hang on. Hang on. The only thing that I, and I'm sure Ron heard this too. The only thing that we heard as soon as you got your lip lock on it and just barely pulled its head out of the water was fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I pulled this thing into my kayak and it's laying between my legs and I'm just, and in the video, you can see my hands are shaking. I'm just so excited to get this fucking thing. And Carrie's on the French. like, did you say the thing weighs 20 pounds? I said, I don't know yet. And I get the thing on my. Yeah, I heard that. I, get, I haven't weighed it yet. <laughs> I have it on the lip lock. I'm getting it on my digital scale, and I'm trying to one arm it. And it's my hand shaking, and it's I'm watching the scale. It's jumping from seven and a half to nine, nine and three quarters. So I finally get the thing up, holding it in both hands, almost like I'm holding a medicine ball out in front of me. And it's it's shaking and still peaking. The thing finally stops at uh, it was eight point nine three but my lip i am always honest i always do the math my lip lock weighs 0 0.21 so after i backed out the weight of the lip lock it, it came out to 8.75 pounds and right, that yeah. thing was a in in the video ron, my ron pulled i mean my paddles up and he sees it, and he goes holy shit the first thing that i noticed was because i haven't seen in person you know bass that big or anything like that well prior know. to that the biggest i'd ever seen was the six pounder that carrie caught and right. i was shocked by it yeah i mean my my personal best at the moment at least on record is three pounds ten ounces and when you pulled that thing out of the water and i got close enough and started taking pictures and stuff like that its eyes were the size of like golf balls. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, this thing was massive and it was just, I was in awe of actually seeing something that's that size. And I can only imagine because I actually watch on YouTube, you know, the Guggen squad and all that stuff. And I was watching John B's channel and he caught a 14 pounder. <sighs> and I can only imagine what that is in real life in real life oh, yeah. just by looking at an eight pounder here's some of the excitement for you guys or almost oh i'm sorry almost nine pounds or, or eight and a half or you gotta listen to this rewind a little bit let me know if you guys can hear it hold on he try to run again it's me slowing it down this one it breaks the water i think it looks oh. holy shit. <laughs> I edit it because I want little kids to watch it. Yeah. You hear Ron yell, biggin'. Oh, Mike did. Get over here with a net. You got a net on you? No. no. <laughs> My pole is just going I'll down. I'll try to tire him out. Holy sh. Carries on the phone, really? Eight, nine pounds? See, I caught it right there. Eight, nine pounds. I don't have it out of the water yet. Right here, I lip lock it. Here's what Mike's talking about. Yes! Holy! <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, Carrie. This thing's a fucking hog. Oh Jesus! Oh Jesus! I'm saying, fucking, I don't even know. I don't even know. Hold on. I got him on chatterbait. So I've decided I'm gonna make a sticker on my cricket for my kayak. It's gonna say 8.75. That way, somebody ever asks, "What's the biggest fish you can catch in that thing?" <laughs> Here you go. The, the, one of the other funniest things that I actually heard after listening to the video, because I, I wasn't up, up close to you until you actually had it up out of the water, was Carrie on the phone going, kiss my ass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I knew she'd be bitter when I knew you were talking to her and you catch your, your personal bus. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's bitter right there. I was a little bitter, too. I won't lie, because I was like, I was the one that pointed it out. I was like, yeah, go fish right there. <laughs> well and that's why that's why i let the video run with that conversation because if you guys watch the video and you go back and listen to the conversation she's kind of saying oh you traveled all that way and you haven't caught anything big yet you know you're just catching one pound or two pounder so i left that phone conversation in there because it was kind of 
funny what we're talking about. And all of a sudden, hold on, I got something on here. And it turned out to yeah. be damn near nine pounds. Yeah, I, I wasn't really salty at all. I know, Ron, I know you were because you, you showed him the spot and everything like that. But I was I was just happy that somebody caught a freaking giant. Mm-hmm. You know, that, it's I mean, hard not to be happy, but you know there was. I was saying there was a little bit. There was a little salt, salt in that happiness. <laughs> well, the funny thing was, is when we were having that slow morning, and after Mike caught his one point one three, and I caught my one and a half pounder. You know, like I said, on Monday and Tuesday I caught a two pound, three pound. But prior to the, those, I've been hitting, you know, quarter pound, half pound, three quarter pound bass most of the winter, and so I told. I looked at Mike after I caught, I said, that right there made the drive worth it to me. I was perfectly happy just landing that, Absolutely. having those two pounders get off and then landing that pound and a half or um, so. And then, so obviously the eight and three quarters was icing on the cake, but by the time both, and, you know, and when you go watch that video, video, when I land that pound and a half, I'm just, I was like, yeah, I was just excited to get one of those damn Okeechobee bass in my boat. So, you know, even the dinks oh, yeah. we would have been happy with. The hard thing with Okeechobee, I mean, unless you plan on doing like that weekend and you know exactly, but you can go out to Okeechobee and plan on to drop in and it could be really choppy for like small boats or something. It's something could be you go wrong, you know, but it, it's still good. You can still make a good trip out of it if you have like, you know, like we did two days, but like by chance, our first day was the best day, you know, uh, Saturday, there was no bite, you know, but I think my, you know, I never really weighed it. I just know my biggest bass over here, and I fed four people off of it. Nice. Um, was uh, was out here in uh, Copeland. I caught it. I was waiting. I was waiting in about three feet of water up to my knees. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> <You're shit. laughs> uh, no, but I was waiting in the water, and I caught it maybe like five feet in front of me. And so there's no real reel. It was on, on a whopper popper, yeah. right, right on the shore. So, you know, but I fed four people off it. I want to say it was a good, mod- like, good five-pounder to feed four people. And we had a pretty good helping service for four, uh, four adults. But, you know, if we need to make, start making some trips out here and doing some boats. We got the Everglades, the Everglades right down my road, mm-hmm. and we can plan a better trip really close. I follow this uh, guy on Instagram. His name's Everglades Carlos, and he goes out there on a stand-up paddleboard. No shit. He has GoPros, and I think even he he must have one like on uh, your your anchor stick that you use for your canoe, because like he'll plant oh, one out yeah, in the water yeah. and then paddle anchor out. Scotty. Which I think I've thought about doing. So he gets like just he gets exterior shots of him fishing because he plants a, a GoPro, and he he'll literally sit on his cooler every once in a while. But he pulls in some lunkers down there. In obviously he deals mm-hmm. with alligators. He only had one kind of a scary mishap but he's out there on a stand-up paddleboard down the everglades and he pulls out some logs out of that damn place with just on his well, stand-up I'm raised in cape coral and i was i know how, what you guys i mean and when when it wasn't until i got moved down here that i got really interested into freshwater fishing because uh, a co-worker uh, of mine brought me out one time and he started pulling in some three pound bass and i was like dude mm. dude i've never even seen those down in cape coral <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, these are all over. I hate these things. I'm waiting to beat my record. He just recently, oh, well, I mean, recently within a year, uh, just beat his record of a nine pound, two, uh, 27 ounces. Has a, a picture up on our uh, fishing uh, chat right here in Copeland, which is only a 30 minute drive from my house. Somebody 20, just asked 20, me on my YouTube video 20, if I've tried that lake yet. I'm like, no, it's on the list. 27 ounces is too high, bud. <laughs> or not 27. Uh, Seven maybe, and, uh, yeah, it was twenty-four. I don't know. There's there's a seven in there, so seventeen or seven. I don't know. Well, One no, there's sixteen ounces to a pound, so whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta bust your balls. But, I know. I've been but I've been busting all yours all weekend. So it's all, that's right. Um, so actually, back. to to throw this out there. Um, there's this dude that I follow on Instagram called Bass Interceptor, and he actually is local to our area too. Um, he fishes all over Southwest Florida, not necessarily in spots that are legal. Um, he keeps his face covered and, and you know, he, he goes, he finds these little honey holes. And I mean, he's pulling some massive fish out of these honey holes. So maybe 
with any kind of luck, he'll actually, you know, might be able to do some sign a non-disclosure so. agreement. And then yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll so. not ask you about where you fish, but tell right. us where you fish. <laughs> so. But yeah, overall, you know, kind of wrapping things up here. I mean, oh, real quick. Um, every fish with the exception of my first one, which was off of a Zoom watermelon red, every fish we caught was off of a black and blue. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's the color yeah. out there. Because how dark that water is. That's why we put in that order, man. That's why we put in that order. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, like I was saying, you know, to, just to kind of wrap things up, I mean, overall – you know, yeah, we didn't catch that many. I, I caught five. D-Train, you caught. Me and Ron were tied with four, not counting his bowfin, because it was a bass fishing tournament, not a bowfin fishing tournament. So he technically right. had five, but he had four bass, and I had four bass. You so, caught the biggest. Yeah, you I won in number. Most. I won in weight. Yes. Um, definitely we'll do it again, um, whether it's a day trip or, or we do another overnighter or a long weekend or something like that excellent experience i don't care who it was or you know anything like that it, it, as long as somebody got a giant i was happy and people i've talked to think we're crazy bigger people i talked yeah. to think we're crazy for taking kayaks out there with the alligators <laughs> I mean, maybe they, we they are need you alone in numbers yeah <laughs> but, well i mean uh, the only time they're going to do anything is if you're around their nest yeah yeah, yeah. I it when he when I re 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 go back to that alligator when I saw the thing coming back to me I even did pull out my phone before I started recording go what that research like when's alligator made his season because I see like three behind him <laughs> so I was like okay God. be safe here yeah use your brain <laughs> um so yeah just to wrap things up like I said overall it was an excellent weekend good place to stay um large large fish in there you know we know that they can get bigger um since i actually have a full-size boat you know motor boat um i'm gonna get a trolling motor (laughs) i'm gonna get a trolling motor for that and uh hopefully we can take that thing out there and get some deeper spots and maybe break a dd record so that'd be awesome yeah winner Um, Winter fishing. Let's go ledge fishing. That's right. Um, so yeah, we you know we want to thank everybody that you know tunes in and listens to us. We appreciate it very much. Um, definitely go check out D Train uh, on all of his platforms. YouTube is uh, Digital Four Ten. Um, you know, check out his podcast, the What's in Your Head podcast. Um, you've got fail to fail i think you're doing mm-hmm. now too yeah and then you also have what's the scuttlebutt go check out those out what's the scuttlebutt is a, a world war ii military based type of podcast what's in your head him and his brother do you know just just talk about all different kinds of things so basically general, um, general entertainment yeah yeah so go check out his stuff um as always check out pb baits check out tackle your personal best uh, go to our website pbbaits.com we have our youtube this will be uploaded to our youtube our spotify all that fun stuff check us out on facebook instagram all the social medias we also have a group page on facebook called tackle your personal best go join it we post things on there all the time pictures videos how to's you know and it's it's a really nice community to go and and talk fishing so we appreciate it we love you guys tune in next time have a good night This has been a Digital 410 production.